Hello, and oh my god, at the time of recording this podcast, which is the 10th of January 2023, viewers, listeners, what a mess we have in our hands. Welcome to the GMS Magazine and So Play We All podcast. I am Paco Garcia. And this is Chris from DSX Mackinac. And Jesus Christ, this is the most insane, absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous situation I have ever seen in the industry, probably ever. What the hell is Wizards of the Coast, or should I say Hasbro, thinking and doing? Shall we put people, you know, uh, for those who are listening in the future and, and are like, oh my God, what are they talking about these two wise men? <laughs> Why don't we know? Shall we put them in some sort of context? Well, the funny thing is, is that... Um... This has been going by so quickly. The time delay when you post this, it all may be resolved. We don't know. Like I said, it's one of those situations where uh, we're getting updates uh, daily. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those situations like I, I'm not sure you're in your situation. I have been knee deep in this for uh, a week. Uh, I am part of the Defend the OGL Discord, which is growing, which I joined when it had, uh, I think, uh, 200 members. And now I think it has like 7,000 members um, <laughs> in a span of just a week. Um, I have, I've done, a, I, my videos talking about this, I've gotten more views than most anything else I've done on my channel. I have been, I have done, I've been invited to do live streams with several other, uh, with a couple of other channels that are high profile. How to D&D, which has 40,000 subscribers, which recently amended their name and now they're called How to RPG. So they dropped D&D from their YouTube page name. Wow. So yes, to say that, um, but uh, we'll give a quick roundup for those people who don't know. Uh, I'll try to make this a kind of a timeline agnostic to make things a bit easier. Uh, so, um, a couple weeks ago, there was a leak, uh, referring to the fact that a bunch of companies had a conference call with wizards, but they had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And it was a reference to the OGL, which made a lot of people consider. And there were some rumors indicating that they were, uh, canceling the OGL, uh, which is the coast went on immediately, like a day after to say the OGL is not going away. The OGL is still being supported. Um, but we do have to update it uh, concerning the new 1D and D and so forth. Now we know that a couple of these companies had signed on uh, to this uh, NDA because they are still silent. Some of the biggest companies out there have yet to weigh in on this. And I imagine it's because they signed this NDA and they cannot comment on anything uh, until it becomes official. Then last week, uh, the date on which the OGL was supposed to be posted, instead it got leaked to several smaller pages like the big dnd pages the big rpg sites didn't get them in fact it was a couple of the small ones which then exploded in popular they have probably quadrupled their viewer base in the span of just a few days uh they had access to lawyers they were talking about it they did not show the pages themselves but it quickly went around the loops and a few people started talking about it he started it then it got picked up by gizmodo and when once gizmodo got the article gizmodo was like the uh, the fire. So they, they threw gasoline on it and because it, and it flared up. So everyone started sharing the Gizmodo article and it started pointing them to the YouTube pages that were breaking the story. And so their subscriber rates went up. And whenever they do a stream now, even though they have 3,000, 4,000 subscribers, they get 10,000, 20,000 views on a video because everyone's following them. 
then yesterday, uh, several channels, including a few people that we know, I know Tenkar got it, got the actual OGL. Mm. Somebody gave it to them. So they had it physically in their hands. And they have stated that this is not a rumor. This is not an alleged. It is. This was going to be the official document. It even had contracts connected to it so you could sign on to it. The issue, of course, is that this contract's um, implementation uh, would go into effect on Friday the 13th, ironically enough, Friday the 13th. Um, and because this thing has not been official, Wizards has not officially announced this at the time of this posting, at the time of us recording this on Tuesday the, the 10th, um, they are going to have to amend it because they can't, uh, they can't put a deadline 72 hours away. So we're going to see an amendment to this contract. Uh, at the very least, they're going to push back the implementation date because you can't just give people three days to um, alter their entire career. Now, when the news first broke out on the 4th, we had dozens of companies that weren't part of this NDA weigh in, and their responses ranged from the civil to the incredibly overreactionary mm. re 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 uh, to some of them. One filed an official litigation, like literally filed an official court case. Well, others just simply said, uh, we are canceling all, OG all 5 OGL products. We are going to go off and do something else instead, which I thought was also... Um, I have said publicly that I thought this was a little cowardly. Uh, the companies that are able to throw up and throw in the towel and walk away without any forms of, of risks um, are leaving the, the rest of us that need this to survive weighing in the winds. And I feel that we all should be in this fight together so that we can succeed. Now, the other big news that happened not long after this is the fact that um, I've been in talk with Dave Scott, who created Everyday Heroes, which I like to joke is the direct competition to my game. Yep. We talked about this last episode. We did. Uh, I've been in talk with uh, Morris from Endworld, right? Now, it should be an important note when people talk about, oh, they're just they're, they're just canceling the OGL. What's the big deal? The canceling, of the, the canceling of the original OGL and the implementation of this 1.1 OGL, which is not, a, not an open license, it's a closed license. In fact, it's more closed than the fourth edition yes. GSL. Um, and we'll go into details as why that is. Um, there was a lot of co comments referring to three specific clauses. Now, there's a lot in this thing. The original OGL was 900 words. This one's 9,000. <laughs> it is a significant increase. It is 10 times bigger. <laughs> uh, but the three clauses that get people's most attention is one clause referring to the fact that if you create stuff for the, for the 1.1, uh, Watsi and Hasbro have a perpetual royalty-free licensing to your work, which means they can do what they want with it. One question. A question for you. Wasn't that something that was very similar, at least, that was in the fourth edition license as very well? Thank you for asking. That's a very good question. The answer is actually technically no. Okay. There was language in, in the fourth, fourth edition that alluded that that could be interpreted that way. But I felt that that was a misinterpretation on a very hazy bit of dialogue compared to the fifth edition, which it is unflinchingly completely straight. It's untranslated, no moneyness. They will actually be able to gain access to your uh, to your product royalty-free. Okay. Fourth edition was very vague. It is not vague with fifth edition. They're making it very clear that they uh, have access to your content. That's, that's really very, 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 very shitty. But let's let's slow down, uh, down a little bit because I think there are several things that we need to say before yeah. we go into this in, in detail. And, and I think we need to be a little bit methodical because uh, I think the first thing we need to say is, firstly, I have not read 
those 9,000 words. Uh, I just haven't had access to them. And the little chunks I've been reading in, in social media are indeed very damning. Uh, and I have to say, I'm changing my view of my TikTok video that I released and Instagram video that I released recently of wait until this thing is out, which it already is. And that was two yeah, days ago, out. which is brutal. Yeah. And secondly, I think we also need to be quite transparent. The fact that you are directly affected by this because your income, your livelihood comes out of selling a book that is 5e compatible. So these changes to the OGL could literally fuck up your life quite dramatically. Oh yeah, basically uh, it's one of those situations where we have to fight this or I have to pick up a backup profession like welding. Uh, it, it's 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 very important. Like I said, uh, the only one thing I wanted to add was uh, the only other bit of news was two days ago and three days ago, uh, the two of the architects of the OGL, Ryan Danzi and Monty Cook, have both come on officially to state that the original OGL was not revocable, which is the other clause. Uh, the three clauses are we own your product. Two, you have to report your uh, your income. Mm. And three, uh, all previous OGLs are basically nullified. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk about legal stuff. There are a lot of lawyers weighing in on this uh, because the canceling the OG, old OGL is kind of the most important one because people don't go, well, how does that affect me? And how does it affect this? And there's, there was an arrogant comment I just saw an hour ago when someone said that they have never owned any, any OGL products. And I'm like, I will guarantee you, unless, unless <laughs> you have only been role-playing for a year, you have OGL. Remember, 99% of the stuff out of the big name companies has an OGL stamp, or they have language that replicates the OGL. Monte Cook talked about this. Numenera has an OGL that's based off of the OGL language of the old 1.0-2000. And he received criticism and, com and complaints from people who are now going, wait a second, if wizards can revoke the OGL, why, why won't you? Or we have, do we have to worry about other OGLs being canceled that are using the same language? Um, but not a single company, uh, any, any top tier company, any company that's that's part of this group that makes $50,000 more a year. They all have one product at least that runs off of the OGL. Mm. Sometimes the systems are unrecognizable. They are not even any way compatible with D&D, but they use the OGL language. And by nullifying it, uh, they run the potential of being a liable because they could potentially have copyrighted content within their books. I have had numerous conversations recently with Frederick Wheeler from How to, How to RPG about what is legally binding within that contract and what they can't do. And there's a lot of muddy dialogue, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. Okay, so um, let's go step by step. Firstly, let's go into um, why was, I say, I'm saying was, maybe that's not the right language to use because the OGL 1.0 hasn't gone away at the time of recording this podcast. Um, yeah. So it could it could be by the time that we release it, which I'm going to do it tomorrow uh, at the latest because I, I think this is important that I don't sleep a couple of hours so uh, this can go out ASAP. Well, Watsi already posted something just a couple hours ago. That's how quickly this is going. They have stated that um, they are aware of the, you know, quote unquote, they are aware of the situation and they will have an update uh, to the situation soon. Uh, which was a interesting thing, as I mentioned, when the when this first OGL fiasco broke back in middle December, they jumped on it immediately and mm. said, "This is not true. The OGL is not going away." When this OGL leak happened, 
they have been clammed up in the fact that we only now post it uh, you, you just know, recently. I'm going to I'm going to go over him and say the reason why this is worrying me now mm -hmm. is because some of the moves I have seen some companies make with regards of this, and there have been two different types of moves. One has been the opportunistic, as in, mm -hmm. hey, look, now that this is going away, we also have an open license for, for our system. So why don't you join our system instead? Which is a bit, mm, okay, uh, I think you're missing the point of why people didn't join your system before. Um, so um, I don't think that's gonna work like that. But secondly though, there are some companies who are changing to get away from the OGL, like I just saw a press release from Cobalt Press. Yep, that was the other thing I was gonna mention, just happened at the time of recording. Correct. Uh, when a company like Cobalt Press, who's been doing 5E and D&D &D and Pathfinder uh, materials for as long as they have, when somebody like Wolfgang Bauer, who's one of the pillars of the industry, because he is incredibly knowledgeable, very, very professional, and just as talented, decides that they are going to make their very own game system. And that game system is going to have to be compatible with your previous product. Because otherwise, what's the freaking point of doing it? When they are saying categorically, we are going to make our own system, yeah. that is what gives me reason for, for concern. Because well, if they saw public, yeah. one way out of this, they would take it. But the fact that the only way out of this is actually getting away from it, not out, but away from it, that says an awful lot. Yeah, well, the reactionary, like I said, we have reactionaries that are putting their uh, Kickstarters on hold. Some have canceled projects. Uh, the most like cobalt press is their response is similar to what I'm going to see with a lot of companies where anything that we have that's 5e is still coming out. It's still coming out because we owe people. We either owe backers or pre-orders or people who we promise to release this product. However, that may that potentially may be the end of our 5e coverage. And cobalt press uh, being probably the first of the big companies, Mongoose, mm -hmm. Green, Roan, and Paizo, um, uh, that have come and officially said something. Because like I said, the fact that Paizo, Mongoose, and Green Rodent have been very much silent on this shows you that they are working on a strategy and they're not talking about it partially because of this NDA and partially because like Paizo with Pathfinder, because a lot of people don't remember, Paizo was working on Pathfinder in April of 2008. A lot of people say that they were working on uh, Pathfinder the moment they saw the GSL for 4th edition, and that is not true. They mm. were working on it before then. But they didn't announce it until the fall of 2008. So there's a very good chance that we may not be seeing official stances from these companies until they have something to show. Um, but so let's let's my, think about something. One thing, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but let's okay. let's consider as well that companies like Paizo, they work with months and months and months in advance, sometimes over a year in advance. They already have everything that's going to come out in 2023 more than ready more than planned and they're already working on things that are going to come out in 2024 because their adventure paths an awful lot of their source books take months and months to write and release and if they have already planned for things for 5e they they are going to be thinking oh oh shit 
Well, when people, whenever people talk about what the OGL affects, and they have to understand how destructive this thing is going to be, uh, they kind of forget that we just had Everyday Heroes, which is the update for D20 Modern. That product is in violation. The official Lord of the Rings role-playing mm -hmm. game is in violation. And every single book Paizo has released since their initial foundation is in violation, without exception. Even stuff with second edition, the second edition still uses OGL content. Cool. Uh, so we're talking about some of the largest RPG companies in the world. Basically, everybody that's not WotC that is actually successful has violating products. Now, some of them have exit clauses, meaning they already have established third-party systems that are not associated with it. Savage World, Fake Core, and yet I've been telling, told by some people that even those have some OGL language that they have to be careful for. And so it's one of those situations where it touches everybody. Uh, the other thing people need to understand uh, right now is don't trust anybody's absolute declaration of what's going to happen. Nobody knows. And if you talk to lawyers, and if you talk to a lawyer and say, this is the absolute letter of the law, that is also an interpretation. I think the only lawyers I've been trusting have been saying, this is very muddy. And whenever a lawyer says, Watsi will never be able to enforce this, I think that is a pipe dream. I think Watsi did not initiate this language unless they thought they could enforce it. And there was a lawyer that posted just yesterday called the Ruse Lawyer. Uh, he was a gamer guy who happened to be a lawyer, but now suddenly all every single D&D guy that has a YouTube page that is also a lawyer, boy, are their channels blowing up. So the rules lawyer and uh, a few other ones have come out and said that, yes, they can technically legally rescind the original OGL because despite the fact the writers did not intend for it to be revocable, they didn't add the line irrevocable within the OGL, and thus it can be revoked. And they are attempting to do so. The question, of course, now has been, what can they copyright? And that has been the massive gray zone. That is what 90% of the conversation is right now going on. If this does go through, what can they own legally? And the problem is, is that if Watsi tries and pushes, they can technically copyright everything that makes it worthwhile to write for 5e. Because someone says, people said to me, well, Chris, you're not, you don't copy paste stuff from the SRD, so you're fine. And I go, yeah, I can go without the OGL, but I still run the risk of, of, of having litigation filed against me because even though I don't copy paste stuff from the uh, SRD, they can still go after me for copying some of uh, their expressions. The fact that I'll say words like armor class and and saving throws and stat block, they could go after that because a lot of people forget that Magic the Gathering, even though there are games that are almost a, that are very similar in rule sets to Magic the Gathering, you can't say the word tap. Mm -hmm. If you're tapping a card, that term tapping is owned as a trademark by Wizards of the Coast. Mm -hmm. They own that terminology. They own D&D, they own Beholder, they own Mind Flayer, they own potentially the greatest game. And so they may go after things that are iconic for Dungeons & Dragons, armor class, saving throws. They could even go through stuff that, and they may make it a situation where they could go after almost any role-playing game as saying, well, no, you, you took this idea from us. Okay, but the thing is, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to be um, 
not devil's advocate because I don't I don't like making taking that that position. But I'm I'm saying this from the point of view of somebody who lives in a country where you cannot possibly trademark a common use word. So for instance, when I had my my game cafe, um, the menu had a uh, several sandwiches and hamburgers, and one of them was called uh, a, an imperial destroyer. Mm -hmm. And some people say, oh, you know, uh, Lucasfilm could come and, you know, this, they could come and sue you. I said, well, no, no, they can't. They possibly couldn't sue me for using two words that are common use in Spanish language. Impo yeah. Impossible. It could be completely impossible. So, um, but I know that there have been some lawsuits in the past, like when Warhammer sued some people you know, Games Workshop suits some people for using Space Marine. Uh, yeah, there are some single words are it's the chance of you cannot copyright single words. You can copyright phrases, but what constitutes is a phrase. So that and I was talking about this with Frederick Wheeler, the fact that you can't copyright strength, intelligence, dexterity, wisdom, charisma. Right. For one, there are games that have been out for 40 years that use the same thing. GURPS, for example, mm -hmm. uses strength, intelligence, dexterity. It doesn't have constitution, it has health, but it has a four number stat block. But wizards might be able to copyright the, the expression of six attribute scores that have those names. They may be able to go after armor class. They may be able to go after saving throw because that is something that's associated with Dungeons and Dragons. But that's, that's, that's the thing. I know for a fact that they would not be able to do that in Spain. Oh yeah, remember copyright law is dependent on the country. Exactly, which which We're is all assuming American law. Exactly, which I bet you anything that this new OGL. And again, I haven't read it, but I will bet anything that any litigation or any dispute about this agreement have to are covered by American laws, yeah. because a, a lot of agreements have that sort of thing, which yeah. would be a bit of um, yeah, okay, are you going to come to Spain? take me to the U.S. to sue me, and then how are you going to, if, if at any point, you know, they decided that they're going to fine me for, uh, you know, copyright violations in Spain. Oh, yeah, there, there will be a thousand 5e games in China that, they, that Wizards will have no opportunity of trying to get access. They're not going for them. If they file lawsuits, they're going to file lawsuits to all of these big name companies that are American-based. The chances of them filing a litigation against me, I'm like, well, I'm in Canada, so... Although Canada law is pretty close to American law, you still have to contend with the international law. You can't just automatically force me down because you're American. But um, they could. They, I, they I could. have some protection. Yeah, they yes, could. But they could, however, no, and, and this is where things get muddy. They could, however, find or go after companies that sell material that they deem to be under any kind of copyright violation. So let's say that, for instance, you got a contract with Barnes & Noble in the US and suddenly you were selling 20,000 books to Barnes & Noble. Wizards of the Coast could possibly go against Barnes & Noble for selling stuff that violates their copyright laws. Could they? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm wondering if that could be the case. Well, the funny thing is the fact that it's that, uh, once again, as we've talked, oddly enough, this is similar. We're dealing, it's so interesting that you and I have spent two weeks talking about uh, the law in regards to AI. And now we're having almost the same conversation on a completely different topic. Um, 
And once again, we have, and, and ironically, we're still on that same side of fair use. Mm -hmm. AI art says, you know, we own all these expressions. You can't do anything about it. And then people are saying, well, no, we have learning algorithms or applications for this. There are ways to make this fair use. And then that's been the fight between these people who say, no, no, anything we create, we own. And now we have a giant corporation saying the same thing. But everything it, we create, we own. Well, and then everybody else are saying, no, it's fair use. But also they're saying everything that you create, we own. That, that's the thing. One of the biggest issues that I'm finding in here is not just that they're saying what we create, we own, and therefore you cannot use it. Which you know what? I would say fair enough. You don't want anybody else to use anything that is related to D&D. &D. You don't want anyone else to do D&D &D compatible material. You know, we're, you're going back to the 70s when TSR was incredibly litigious and they 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 filed lawsuits against anybody who made anything that was even remotely compatible with with DMD. You want to go back to that? Fine, fair enough. But the fact that you have to tell them how much you earn, so what for? So they can decide whether you're making enough money for them to sue you, so they know if you're going to pay and be worth the effort. Well, no, it is because right now it, the threshold is seven hundred fifty thousand. So if you're gross, you're gross, not your net. Is over seven hundred fifty thousand. The difference between seven fifty and whatever you own. Let me give this crappy excuse that if you make seven hundred fifty dollars in one, you just owe us twenty cents. I go, yeah, yeah. Except no one ever does that. Most of the time, if they're making seven hundred thousand, they're making more than that, and you taking twenty percent of that chunk could actually destroy some of these companies. Exactly. And Kickstarter is a perfect example. A Kickstarter, and I've said this, I, my in my last Kickstarter uh, raised a hundred thousand. I only saw sixty nine of that because of how much Kickstarter cost. So when you're dealing with 700,000 and people go, that's more than enough. I go, you'd be surprised the number of companies that have raised that much money and lost money mm. because of all of their costs. You have to understand that Kickstarter takes a cut. Backerkit takes a cut. Taxes all your advertising. Take hmm? Taxes take a cut. Taxes take a cut, but not only that, you also had the cost for all of your pre-promotion that can go completely crazy. Mm. Like you could have situations where like I've been, I I have a friend who has a Kickstarter that raised a million dollars and he lost money on it. Uh, it. And if these, and these things happen, especially in the board game community, because board game costs can really spiral out of control. Thankfully, books don't cost very much. So yeah, we, we deal with this 20 and, and for 50,000 though, like I'm part of, I'm part of the 50 to 700 crowd. Uh, and they saying you have to report your income. Why would they ask that unless they were going, oh, you make 120,000 or you make 699 or 749,000, I'm sorry, we're going to include you in this new tax bracket that says you have to give us 10% over, over 100,000 because the new language means they can amend this law at any point in time and, mm. and change the policy, which is the reason why the GSL had people who signed on to it. There were dozens of companies signed on to the 4E GSL. I did, Goodman Games did, and I have said this repeatedly, Goodman Games has set a precedent that a lot, like apparently only I'm talking about, I've mentioned it on every single vidcast, I've mentioned it with Frederick Wheeler, people forget the GSL went live before my birthday, I know it, it was, it was July 4th, I think of 2008. Uh, my product had only been on the shelf for two months, the, um, the PHB had been on the market since May, and the GSL came out. I signed on to, it came out on a Thursday or Friday, I signed on to it and had it officiated by the, the following Monday. Goodman Games was also an early adopter. And when Goodman Games noticed that my company, which was a mid-tier company, uh, was had shifted over, he immediately got my attention and said, hey, I like your setting. Let's work together on this. 
but the GSL had one stipulation. It had a couple stipulations, but one of them that was interesting that um, they didn't include in this new one said that you could not publish any 4E compatible products until November of that year, which means Wizard had about a five month lead up. Hey, baby, had a five month lead up. And that uh, something that wasn't going to rub people like Goodman very well. He, he had plans and had designs and could release modules immediately because he wanted to strike where the iron was hot. However, the policy said he couldn't release that stuff until November. So he, he talked it to Wizards. He was at Gen Con and said, hey, uh, I signed on the GSL, but I'm releasing 4E modules in August. And they didn't go after him because he believed he had the legal standing to do stuff. And how did he do it? And I actually have those because I was writing for, for Goodman Games, so he sent me these modules. Uh, and I was surprised that of the three modules I have, two of them have no OGL language at all. They just say 4E compatible on the back. One of them did have the OGL, but it had the OGL from 2000. It did not have any iconography, but it still was a 100% 4E compatible book. The only weird exception was in one of the modules, the word bloodied, which was a very definitive term in fourth edition that you don't see in any other version, that uh, got replaced with bruised. But the monsters were still presented exactly as skill checks. Everything was still 100% compatible. Wizards of the Coast never went after Goodman Games, and he was part of the GSL, which means he was technically non-compliant. He was violating the GSL. They did not revoke his license because he felt he had the legal grounds to publish. This is the reason why so many people today are saying, well, we should be able to publish outside of the SRD without confirming to the OGL. The problem now is that people are, the, the law is very muddy on what is a definition and an expression. You can't, for example, copyright the rolling of a die 20. That's impossible. You cannot uh, copyright um, the a character sheet with, with numbers that represent your character. Those are mechanics. Those cannot. But they may potentially be able to copyright um, how those are implemented in their game. They may be able to copyright armor class, the term armor class and how it applies. They may be able to copyright saving throws and how it applies. They may be able to copyright how you present a monster which means if we're a 5e product, we can't present monsters the way they do. They could create a situation where we have to rewrite their rules so much as when somebody buys our 5e product and goes, I don't know what you're talking about. What is this armor value? Why can't you say armor class? And then suddenly we become invalid because newbies look at our product and don't understand it because we have shifted the terminology. That could happen. Now, there are people that are saying, look, we're going to abandon the OGL because it's invalid. We're going to release this anyway. If they come after us, fine. Like I said, some companies have already uh, have already pushed forward with this. But a lot of companies, especially ones with power that have a name, that go, you know what? We don't need it. We'll abandon the OGL. We'll write something new. And there has been talk. My issue now is that the market is so large compared to 2008. In 2008, what happened was fourth edition and then Pathfinder emerged and everyone just congregated to Pathfinder because they said 3.75 is just an evolution of 3.5. Come to our umbrella, come to us. We're just like you. And everybody did. And within four years, Paizo's Pathfinder was selling, was outselling fourth edition. But now since then, 
We had 13th Age, Fate, Savage World, Numenera. We now have a dozen cis, big popular systems that all have OGLs. We don't have, even if D&D falls out of, out of the third-party market, there is no 800-pound gorilla to replace them, which means a lot of us third-party publishers are back to doing what I hated, and that is releasing the same book for five or six different systems in order to spread out our, our income and hopefully make money. I hated doing that. And so now with Cobalt saying, we're going to produce a new system, Paizo can come, we're going to release a new system, Green Ronin, we're going to release a new system. And suddenly all of these small third-party companies are like, well, what do we do? We, we don't have the influence or the power to create an, an independent system. And if we don't have an IP, like Alien, Blade Runner, and Homeworld, these new role-playing games that are using entirely proprietary rule systems, they can do that. They have an IP, so they can sell themselves on their IP before you talk about their rules. <clears throat> so we are in um, very sketchy territory, and people are wondering what they're going to do. Wizards is in a tight conflict. I saw, I had a conversation with Frederick yesterday, and it, he made a prediction which scared the crap out of me because I said, what's, Wizards has hired about, I think, 240 engineers from Microsoft. They haven't been hiring game designers. They've been hiring software engineers. They're doing this because they're releasing their own virtual tabletop. Yeah. Um, probably uh, associated with a storefront, just like everything else. And they're going to have all their stuff digital, which is going to screw over game stores, which we also don't talk about. Game stores are going to get really screwed out of this. Mm. Um, but he said, I said, the problem is that Wizards, they have said 80% of the revenue is from GMs, which means 70% of their player, of their, of their fan base never gives us money, the players. We have to monetize the players. Now, to do that, they need to microtransaction, they need to live service, they need to replicate what video, AAA video games are doing. Games like FIFA, games that are live services where you are you pay $50, but then you're paying five or 10 or $15 a month to use their service. EA, Blizzard, uh, Activision have done, have, have been very successful despite how much negativity they earn. EA, which was voted the worst company in America for three years, made I think 600 or 300 to 600 million dollars on microtransactions, that which everybody seems to hate because there is a massive number of people who are not vocal that have no problem spending this kind of money. So Wizards is trying to turn D&D into a live service microtransaction model, exactly like these video games are doing that are earning hundreds of millions of dollars a year. The problem and the difference between D&D and a video game is that you need the community to survive. You can go onto FIFA by yourself and play FIFA online and not worry even if you have other players. You cannot go to D&D online and run a game unless there's a dungeon master, human dungeon master, willing to play. And if there's a massive exodus of people who are abandoning D&D because of third party, they won't have access to their dungeon masters. So what Frederick Wheeler predicted, because they're hiring all these engineers and software people, that they're probably going to be working on a AI GM that will eliminate having to have to rely on the very community that they're screwing over to make money. And like I said, that is something I absolutely see. I can, wouldn't be surprised if there was an artificially intelligent GM available in D and D to circumvent because they feel like we're going to lose a lot of the GMs, So let's replace them outright. The problem is, is that someone said this and said, this is a brilliant idea. We don't have to rely on the player base 
to the GMs to make us money. It's the players that make us money. Nobody wants to be a GM, some people say. And they don't realize the fact that, because I have said, you are Wizard's worst customer. I am Wizard's worst customer. I am literally persona non grata for Wizards and Hasbro. I am a old gamer who creates uh, products that, according to them, are a complete competition to their product line. And I have not given Wizard money since I purchased the original core th uh, fifth edition books five years ago. I have not purchased a single Wizards book since. I have purchased third-party stuff, but I've never purchased anything that Wizards has done since the original core books. I am exactly the person they hate. I am using their system. I'm taking advantage of their system, and I'm not giving them any money. That's the person that they don't care about because I'm not generating revenue. What they don't understand is that all of us have microphones. Everybody who's running a YouTube page that are focusing on D&D are like you and me. We are generally older gamers that are going to feel alienated, which means even though they're losing the GMs, they're also losing their social media fan base. And are they prepared to do it? Well, I think that's going to be the test, to be honest with you. We're talking an awful lot about litigation and we are talking an awful lot about, you know, going for companies, copywriting, trademarking, so on and so forth. But I think <laughs> at the end of the day, what is truly going to decide whether they go ahead with this or not, or whether they change this or not, is going to be the court of uh, public opinion. If people vote with their wallets, then they will reconsider. Because if people don't stop buying the products, if people don't start going through, uh, you know, going to another system, uh, supporting companies like yours, then this is all for nothing. If it yeah. doesn't hurt the, uh, you know, Wizards or Hasbro's bank account, this is going to work for them very, very well indeed. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, they are they canceled I'm, six video games just a few weeks ago as well. They've canceled six video games and they just announced today. You heard the news. Paramount Plus is now creating a Dungeons and Dragons TV series. Well, I bet you anything that that is not going to go down well uh, at all if they keep with this move. I mean, if somebody like Amazon has received the amount of vitriol and hatred over the decisions they've made on over the Lord of the Rings franchise, I don't even want to imagine what Paramount Plus will get if they dare releasing the D&D series with this kind of, you know, stigma attached to it yeah. and this kind of legacy attached to it. So if I were Paramount, I would be thinking twice you know, about this, because on-demand services like Netflix, Paramount, and all that stuff, they rely on their, you know, on their fan base as well. And I bet you anything that an awful lot of people will decide to give their money to a different streaming service that doesn't fuck up with their hobbies. So um, that may not be wise. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Now, a question that I have for you is an awful lot of people have said you don't need the OGL. Is that true? Or... As somebody pointed out in, in Facebook, I don't remember who it was, but I, I heard somebody say that is a very dangerous thing to do because even if you change the language of your game, that doesn't mean that it's going to be bulletproof against litigation. So it is a very dangerous thing to do. So can you do without the OGL? 
Uh, so this is the cons- I would say this is not a consensus. This is the opinion of several, but not all lawyers. Uh, but I believe them because whenever I see, and this is me being a pessimist, whenever I see arguments, the ones that favor wizards more, I tend to put more weight into because we are dealing with a massive corporation. And the answer to the question is that if you have copied content from the system reference document, you have to post an OG, the OGL. And since the current OGL is unauthorized now, you are in violation and you are literally copy pasting copyrighted co- content from a book that is technically copyrighted. So if um, you have stuff, and this is like Everyday Heroes, Paizo, this is all, this, these are the, some of the biggest books on the market. Yep. They are technically in violation. So they either have to adopt the new 1.1 dialogue or they are basically in violation. That is true. If, however, you produce um, an adventure or a source book that doesn't copy the SRD, uh, a good example would be mine. I, and, the, and we were talking about the fact that the, one of the biggest complaints people have over Ultra Modern 5 over at Everyday Heroes, Everyday Heroes has the entire rule set in there, so you don't have to need another book. Ultra Modern requires the PHB to play. Mm-hmm. Because I don't copy anything from the SRD. That being said, to cover my ass, I do post the OGL <coughs> just on a safe side and because I like support the, the, the ideology of open gaming. But the, I don't believe there's a single point where I've copied a, a rule. Now, expressions can be, and this is where things get touchy. For example, I have a dragon. Uh, they can't copyright dragon. They can copyright gold dragon but I don't have gold dragons in my setting. However, I do have a cancer dragon and a cancer dragon has a breath weapon. That breath weapon is explained using the exact same terminology that the gold dragon's breath weapon does. It's just a different type of breath weapon, but it doesn't matter. I still use almost their exact wording because that helps educate people to know that these rules are the same. So there is a lot of situations where you could say, well, you copy pasted this sentence from our book. And if they get enough of those, they can say, well, look, a good... 5% 5% of your rule structure is st- taken from D&D. That's n- enough, in our opinion, to file a lawsuit. The other thing is, even though, let's say, I don't have enough of the SRD cop- copied over f- to, to warrant an issue, they can still look at it and say, you're still writing using terminology that we define. So even though you are not talking of what armor class is, the fact that you're still referring to armor class and you're still referring to our classes and our races, means that you're creating a system that is 100% compatible with ours, and because it is, we're going after you. So if you don't have anything copied on the SRD, you're right. Uh, it You might be safe, and the smaller the company you are, the less the chance they're going to go after you. So if you're Green Ronin and you have an SRD uh, agnostic system that you can remove the OGL from, there is a possibility that if they think you're in violation, they may go after you. Will they go after me? That's a very good possibility they will because I have one of the most successful 5th edition products not published by them, Ultra Modern 5, which both the old and the new versions are both Mithril Badge sellers, which means it's a top-tier product on RPG. The other worry, of course, is what will Wizards do? This is when people talk about how this affects people. Wizards will go after the big targets if this 1.1 is, is implemented in, 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 in its entirety. 
they are going to go after Fantasy Grounds. They're going to go after Roll20. They're going to go after Foundry. They are going to try to take down every virtual tabletop because all of them employ the OGL. Not the products that we sell. The platforms themselves are in violation. DriveThruRPG has the DMs Guild. The DMs Guild is a Pacific sub-license to Wizards. So that is not under threat. And they have said DMs Guild is not under threat because it has its own draconian language that no one likes. But we are worried right now because what will happen? Will Roll20 say, look, we are not allowed to have OGL products because we don't want to get sued by Wizards? And they could kick all the third-party stuff out. That would be murder for them because one of the things said that their bread and butter is the fact that they have third-party content on their platforms. But if DriveThruRPG gets forced with litigation saying that you're not allowed to sell OGL products because that means you're selling copyrighted products, with uh, DriveThruRPG, which is a gigantic company, they're massive, they're owned by OBS, they have two choices. They can bend over, cut out the OGL content and lose probably 50% of their revenue stream or they can go to court with wizards. And I think that somebody, somebody, if every single company runs away, I will be very, very hurt and I'll be very disappointed if Roll20, Foundry, OBS, Paizo, if they all run away, even though they have more than enough money to lay litigation and they have to know they have a chance of winning. Um, if they all bet, roll over, It'll be it'll be very upsetting, and that will kill the industry. So the, the funny thing is, is that wizards they're saying wizards is going to kill the industry. They're lighting the fire. We can put it out. If we don't, then who's they're lighting this fire? But we're standing around watching the house burn. And I think that's a very important analogy. Will we take that standing down, or will we fight back? I can't fight back. I live in a basement suite, but there are companies that have the money and have a lot to lose that should pick up the fight and they should push back on this. And if they don't, they're letting the house burn down and all of us small third-party companies are going to go up with it. It's, it's, it's a very, very tricky one, I have to say, because firstly, I wonder if the damage is done. Well, for Wizards Equity, yes. You know, I don't, I don't know at this point stage what can Watsi do that will redeem. Even even if today they said, okay, forget about this. Sorry, we'll keep using OGL 1.0, mm, uh, which they cannot possibly do either, because somebody else um, that I respect very much was saying in Facebook, and I agree with this completely, that they need an updated edition of the OGL agreement because there are things today that they need to protect their game from that didn't exist at the time of creating the OGL, you know, like NFTs, yeah, that, that sort of thing. And I can understand that they want to include within the OGL the um, um, VTTs because they didn't exist at the yeah. time. Um, they it didn't exist at the time streaming services, you know, and I wonder if they could also go for any kind of material that people like Critical Role create, 
The Critical Role is another company. I always forget about them. Critical Role is a massive multi-million dollar empire that is built its entire foundation on the OGL. So um, unless they unless they have a sweetheart clause, which I'm very worried that these big companies are staying silent because they have sweetheart clauses, they're going to leave us hanging in the winds. And that is also very, very dangerous, not just for WhatsApp, but also for them. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm going to be very brutal in here and I may draw some hatred towards me. I wouldn't be at all surprised if people like Critical Role already have this, uh, this sweetheart clause and they're keeping completely shut and quiet about it because they don't want to risk losing what they already have especially because yeah. somebody like critical role they have a contract with amazon you know the second season yep, second season of yeah. exactly has already been signed up so but again i wonder what does amazon have to say about all this because i mean they could change the the, the script so suddenly, yeah, it's, it's, it's critical role related, but it's no longer D&D related. You know, it's very different because it's still in production. They could do that if they wanted to, but I doubt very much that Hasbro would have what it takes to actually go against Amazon in a copyright lawsuit. Because it would like well, that's, Amazon yeah. would just buy Wizards of the Coast and say, look, don't worry about it. Here's my purse, here's my card. Just, just, just take what you need. This is mine yeah. now. So we know that if there's a fight, a legal fight, it's not going to be between conglomerates. It's no. not going to be around big companies because they have found a way to legally work around the situation. Like uh, the film Onward on, on Disney Plus, uh, which is a wonderful film, at one point features a gelatinous cube, yeah. which is a copyrighted creature. Uh, they did not put that in sitting on the OGL. They made damn sure they had the rights to use that from Wizards of the Coast. So we know that these con that these things are important. And yeah. So what we're looking at now, there are a couple of possibilities. One, they try to justify they release the OGL probably with an amended cutoff date, and they try to justify it and do their best on PR, and it's going to horrifically fail. They are going to lose so much, so much PR, so much positive buzz that the company will be irrevocably damaged. And considering how bad Magic the Gathering has been scarred in 2022 on its own it's just it's just going to be basically digging a grave they already have scr screwed up magic the gathering this year and now in 2023 they're going to kill their golden goose their new golden goose so their second option is to amend it and if they amend it there's a couple of things they can do the first thing they can do is to create an ogl which has dialogue which still protects us third parties basically the problem right now and this has been told some people say well there are people in wizards that P wizards is not at fault here and it's casbro and the the guy who uh the guy uh on dnd beyond that was recently purchased mm -hmm. uh dnd beyond was purchased the original president went up and said the wizards office is toxic it is populated now by people who believe the entire third party industry is stealing them stealing from them because people need to understand that nobody in Wizards and Hasbro are on our side. I think people need to understand the fact that this does not happen in a vacuum. People say it's just the lawyers. I hate to say it, but the lawyers are running the show and there's nobody with a voice there. Anybody that wrote these rules don't work for Wizards anymore. And this is what I, I was saying to Frederick about the fact that they may own the copyright for Dungeons and Dragons, but they don't, they don't own it. The community owns it. The creators of D&D, nobody, nobody working for Wizards. It's, it's, it's the same thing, the fact that who owns the Beatles songs? 
the, the estate of Michael Jackson. Not a single Beatle, living or dead, has any rights to the Beatles discography. It was purchased entirely by Michael Jackson. Now, people will say, oh, Michael Jackson owns the IP, so he owns the Beatles. Therefore, but no one credits Michael Jackson for the success of the Beatles. Everybody knows the Beatles are the Beatles. Who cares who owns the, mus the discography? Yes, Michael Jackson's estate gets the money, but we all know who created it. But this is, this is more important than that. We have Dungeons and Dragons is something that is, and I, I, made a, I posted this, said, in a, in, in a thousand years, Hasbro will be a memory. Watsi will not exist. Somebody will find in an archaeological dig a player's handbook and say, hey, let's, uh, let's play this game. D&D will survive long after this is gone. And you know what this is, I think, is the longest shot. Okay, so this is like kind of a, a, a dream. But I don't think it is impossible. And I think it's actually quite plausible. The only chance that this has of actually being taken back is not by WhatsApp. I don't think they're going to do it. Even if they do it, I think they've tarnished the trust that people have put in them forever because what, why would anyone ever have a reason to believe that they wouldn't try this again in the future? Yeah, this, this, you know? this, this happened before and it'll happen again. But unless there were a number of cases, and I believe it would have to be a number, not just one, where a number of judges through appeals, through going up in the judicial ladder, came back and said, D&D &D is too important to too many people to be a monopoly by one single corporation. You cannot possibly own the concept of D&D. &D. It is in the public interest for this to be open. Yeah. Unless they did something like that, which, again, I think it would be incredibly difficult. I think maybe it's a little bit even naive as, as a concept. But unless something like that happens, I don't think there is going to be a way to go back to how things were and have people confidently producing for D&D &D again. Yeah. The best case scenario from a legal fight is that Wizards is told from a judge that they own the copyrighted terms that they already own, the specific things that are tied to their setting. Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, uh, Agbar, yeah. whatever his name is. Uh, and they own stuff like the Beholder and the Jelanatus Cube and the Dungeons and Dragons name, but they don't own any of the rules or mechanics because the OGL covers that. And those rules and mechanics were written by other people and other companies before Wizards of the Coast even existed. Mm. And and that that means freeze up. They basically at that point they have democratized the the rule system, and now we get and no matter what they do, they can't come after us, and we'll go off and do our own little thing using five E rules. Now, the best case scenario, and this is the thing that bothers me, they written they wrote this script to be the stick. They didn't think of writing it with the carrot, um, and so the dialogue the inflammatory like they 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 if you read the introduction to the ogl which is not the ogl itself which is still part of the document if you read the ogl um the preamble it they try to say you know we are our other community and so forth but then they get into extremely condescending and inflammatory dialogue where they paint third-party companies as villainous um 
D&D's policy with third party has always been, we succeed because you succeed. And we, 3.5 succeeded because of the massive market, because it was saturated. It was 3.5 or nothing. Fourth edition failed very, very quickly. And one of the reasons why the third party companies all fled. And the moment a rival came out that was popular, everyone left for that system. D&D is a different situation. They have a larger part penetration than they ever had before. But a lot of that was also due to third party. And they believe that they don't need third party. And that language is in there. They're saying they don't want people making money off of our product. We are going to permit people who make little bits of money to still make a little bits of money as long as we know that they're making that money. So their policy, their mindset has completely changed. So best case scenario with this OGL, because they understand the incredible negative feedback, which I think they're going to still ignore, is that they try to think about this as the carrot and not the stick. Because if they send this thing out, even if it's slightly revised, it's still a stick. It's them trying to smack down third party. Uh, the carrot is kind of what the GSL tried to do. The GSL didn't give out much carrot, but there wasn't a lot of stick. The carrot was, hey, write stuff for fourth edition GSL. Yes, we have. The, you can't rewrite a definition. You can't rewrite how a definition is conveyed. So if we define saving throws, you cannot redefine it and change how saving throws work. Fine, I can do that. That's no problem. I can I can change a few. I can make sure that I conform to your rule system. And if you do that, you know potentially if we have a storefront, which they never never really did you can talk about your product on our platform. And not only that, we're gonna give you this shiny little plaque you, know, you can put on your books that say, compatible with the fourth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. We're gonna let you say Dungeons and Dragons on the back of your book, yeah. outside on the hardcover. So if you grab a book, you flip it around, you see Dungeons and Dragons logo on there. And before the 3.5 had this D20 compatible thing, which people didn't mean, but here we are. We're going to give you the Dungeons and Dragons logo, and that was worth it for me, because I get to be. I'm a. I am an. I am an, an official third party Dungeons and Dragons book. Now, with the DMs Guild, that was their like. We're, DMs Guild was the new plaque, and everyone else had to be on the OGL, but we weren't associated with D and D, so we were fifth, fifth edition. And I said, fifth edition doesn't need D and D. We don't need Dungeons and Dragons. We like the rule set because it's all encompassing. But we never needed the IP. We don't need the Dungeons and Dragons name. So if they came out with a care and said, if you sign on to this new 1.1 OGL, which is the GSL, we're going to let you uh, post your games on our virtual tabletop. You can sell your books on our storefront. We'll allow you on the this awesome virtual tabletop we're creating, and we're going to give you a 5e D&D plaque to put on your book. And all you need to do is sign on to this OGL 1.1. You would be surprised the number of people would be like, you know what? That's actually pretty much worth it. Maybe I won't give them my golden goose IP, but maybe I'll make something new. Like for me, for example, if they did that, I can say, you know what? Ultramodern has no IP. Ultramodern is permanently tied to 5e. Here. I will absolutely, I will, I will give, I will, I will sign on to the 1.1 for Ultramodern because Ultramodern was always designed to pair up. And next thing you know, I am the only non-sci-fi rule set on the, on the official VTT site. I can sell Ultramodern off of the D&D zone site. And, and they say, and if you make, if I make more than 50,000, well, you're going to know about it because you're handling most of my income. And if I make more than 700,000, I'll be able to give you 20%, right? And 
that would be like, oh, yeah, I can do that. But the fact that we're saying, no, 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 we're not giving you the carrot. We're just giving you the stick. You're like, no one's going to follow you. No one's going to support you. What happened to the carrot? Don't you guys know? And the reason why is because they have so much contempt for a third party, these this new people, the new staff of Wizards and Hasbro, which are mostly ex-Microsoft people now, have they have com- no respect for third party. They have absolute contempt, and they believe that we are stealing from them. Like that's the problem. Why we're never going to get a good a good revision, even if they end up revising this, we're never going to get a good revision because they don't want us helping them. Um, even though technically all they need to do is take out that inclusion that says previous OGLs are, uh, you know, cannot be are, are not revoked and say, well, fine, you guys can do what you want. We're going to stick with the original 1.0 OGL from from 2000. But the problem is, as you said, they can't have both those OGLs working concurrently because of that overlap. Yeah, they um, have to find a way to remove that OGL so they're protected legally. I don't know, the, the thing is that the, the thing that irks <coughs> me about the whole situation is that it would have been so, so, so easy to just say, you know what, the license to publish D&D is going to cost some money. So if you pay us $500 a year, you can keep producing books for as long as you're paying us those $500 a year. I'm saying 500 for saying just one, one amount, mm-hmm. something that would be uh, enough for some people to think about uh, about it twice before paying, but uh, enough for you to be able to say for a company like yours, say, okay, it's a license fee worth paying. So here it is, you know, $40 a month, whatever. Here it is. Uh, pay it and I can keep publishing. That would have been it. You, know, you would be making money out of third party. You would be <clears throat> licensing and you would be even able to curate who is going to publish with your rule set. That's it. Yeah. It would have been that easy to do. It would have been a nightmare to administer, but that's just a matter of teething problems. It would have been a matter of time. So that that is the one thing that irks me, that they could have done this very easily and very good and very well for an awful people, and they have chosen not to. As you said, there's, yeah. there's no there's no carrot um, yeah. anywhere by, by what I can see and, and hear. So... But I'm going to say something else, though. I think something else. Uh, predictions. I'm, I'm going to do a few. I'm going to make a few predictions of what, what, what's what's going to happen. I think some celebrities are going to start leaving the ND. I think people mm. people like Jeannie V, for instance. Um, she's already made a, a small um, kind of statement. Saying that the only OGL she loves is Orc Loving Girl. Or, or I saw that. Loving, uh, I saw people. that. So she's already starting to think, you know, maybe this is not a boat that I want to keep being associated with. Um, but unless somebody like Critical Role leaves, then it's going to be very difficult yeah. uh, to stop this, this tide from, from going. But I reckon that at some point, even people like Critical Role are going to leave. And I reckon that the tide will also change and shift an awful lot when some of the big names in D&D start to leave. When, if people like um, Jeremy leaves, Logan Bonner leaves, when people like that begin to say, oh, you know what, sorry, no, I want to have anything to do with this. 
I'm all for when, it. yeah, when this OGL goes official, like official, official, when they actually make an official statement that's not a leak, um, I, I'm going to pay attention to them, but I'm also going to pay attention to all of the third-party companies that are affected by this, from Critical Role to Paizo, and go and and look. And if they stay quiet for the next week, we know that they've been they have a sweetheart deal because yeah. they and that and they've abandoned us. Yep, I would. And I will absolutely, I will throw Matt Mercer under the bus because I'm there. I mean, some people idolize Matt Mercer's. They, they sniff his throne. I have never been a Matt Mercer uh, throne sniffer. And so, if I find out that he has a sweetheart deal with Wizards and is supporting them in this, I'll tell him. I, I will tell him like, well, um, no, you, you know, I didn't care for you before, but now I have no respect for you. I, I, like, I you should you should be on our side. I wouldn't be at all surprised. One of my closest friends. One of my closest friends is one of the biggest D&D backers out there. Uh, his name's Mark Muir. Uh, he's, a, he's an actual friend of mine. He, he, For those people who don't know who he is, he's the voice of Commander Shepard on Mass Effect. And he's a fantastic human being, and I love him to death, and he does favors for me, which I don't deserve. He is contracted out to Wizards of the Coast. He does official Dungeons & Dragons adventures as a GM. Uh, he... Like, I think half of his time, half of his income is not even like, uh, yeah, he does voice work and he does acting now and again, and he does some improv theater. But the last six months, he has been bouncing from city to city and running uh, D&D adventures. Uh, he has several societies that he's part of. And I don't know how much of his income is coming directly from Wizards or whether it's, not, it's done by these third company streaming companies that are making money off of D&D. It's entirely possible that he is not directly associated with Wizards. But I would be really interesting because these streamers are also part of this category. Every YouTube page, every streamer, every streamer that's been live streaming D&D and making money off of it, D&D is saying you owe them money. So I'm going to be, I'm watching Mark's, he hasn't said anything at all. And not usually a couple of days go by without him saying something about D&D or so forth. And I think he's like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But if I see him working for Wizards of the Coast in a few months from now, I'm, I'm going to know, unfortunately, that he took the money in and kind of walked away from that fan base. And that's the issue. Every single person right now who is a celebrity, they're, they have to be very careful. Because if they come out in support of D&D, they've alienated a massive fan base. If they come out in defense of, OG, of the OGL, however, they're, they're, they've earned a lot of equity. Like, they, like If you come out in defense of the community and come out in defense of OGL, which is the community, I don't, you're not going to have like a slew of haters. You're going to have a massive amount of love. So I'm, I'm kind of expecting, and I was making jokes about who is going to be the first celebrity that's going to weigh in on this. And, and which side will they take? Will Stephen Colbert, you know, who's an avid D&D, will Vin Diesel, who's an avid D&D player, will Henry Cavill, you know? And I made a joke that said the fact that most of these guys are, they're very socially minded. They're very responsible. They don't make political stances. They don't make political statements. But some people like Patton Oswalt doesn't care. Mm. He used to be a gamer and he does not care what people think. He'll voice his opinion. And Patton Oswalt will most likely not support a big company in this. He generally goes with the community. But I made a joke with Frederick Wheeler, like who is the one person that would take the side of the community, like the anti-establishment, which is the OGL community, 
and would post something completely as a shitster just to earn credentials. Elon Musk. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Elon Musk is aware of what's going on. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if I, like I said, if El I would, I hate Elon Musk with a passion, but if he posted an open D&D, &D, this little red image, if he, if he shared that. Twitter would be the, popular again, I tell you. Yeah, exactly. The entire industry would fracture and Wizards of the Coast would be like, well, we just lost this fight because there is now nobody on our side. And that's what I'm kind of hoping. I'm hoping that somebody um, uh, comes on and, and like a celebrity comes on and, and puts like, when IGN covered this last week, because IGN and Forbes, now most of these things have, have been saying like, have been very neutral. Gizmodo and a few others have been, you could tell that they're skewed mm -hmm. to support the OGL, but, but they're, they're not, trying. They're, yeah, they don't, they don't want they're to skirting. say too much just in case. But IGN didn't. Did you see IGN's report I, on I, this? I did not. Uh, IGN, which has 14 million subscribers, they, they posted, they had a video, which was their news roundup, and it was headline news. Uh, Wizard of the Coast uh, is, 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 is risking their livelihood of third-party publishers. And after they covered it, you there was no, they were anti Wizards of the Coast. They were pro um, third party and they made it blatantly obvious that they were not on the side of Wizards on this. And they were on the side of third party publishers. And I was like, wow, IG is probably the biggest company at the moment that actually made an official stance of taking the side of the players in on this and going against Wizard and Hasbro. And I thought that was quite, quite ballsy of them. You know, I think that even editions are kind of cursed. Second, <laughs> second edition, you know, AD and E uh, saw the end of TSR. Fourth mm -hmm. edition nearly saw the end of Wizards of the Coast D and D division, and this new sixth edition, which is essentially that's that's what it's going to be, is poised for an absolutely appalling start. Mm -hmm. Really, really bad. So I, I think the only way that they have to save themselves right now would be to just skip sixth edition completely, go for seventh edition, <laughs> and <laughs> forget that all this happened. That, that, that. Well, the final thing I'll add to this, because I know we're running late here, is the fact that uh, to the tomorrow from the day of a recording, so if this gets posted, it'll be the same day. On Wednesday at, I think, 11 o'clock, I am going to do a live stream as a pure thought experiment with whoever joins up and i'm going to create 5.75 whole cloth as a live stream i i will i i've been i've not thought about it in my head so i'm going to do all of the design work live with any community feedback and i'm going to construct a system a rule system inspired by the various editions at 11 o'clock on wednesday uh january 11th uh so and i know there's a few people who are in the, who are uh, that are pretty high profile like I'm actually going to watch this, you know. Uh, even, even though 11 o'clock p.m. 11 p. 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. So it, yeah. before you, before your supper. Uh, no, no, 11. No, 11 a.m. 11 oh, a.m. Okay, okay. I mean, uh, it, um, it will be tomorrow. Sorry. Yeah, tomorrow 11 a.m. Okay. Um, and because whenever anyone like Paizo, like we're creating Pathfinder, and then they keep it all self-enclosed and they don't tell anyone about it for eight months, and they go. Here are the rules that we designed. I'm going to build these things. I'm going to build this system from the ground up live. And if it's successful and people are like really, really, really digging it, I'll make this a weekly thing where I'm going to develop the system because it'll be completely open source. 
In fact, I'm calling it open. I'm calling it oh, uh, was it OS? Um, oh, it was called. I think it's OSG 5.75, and not and it's not. It's called open source. Open source gaming, OSG. Well, open source. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how these end. Um, let's hope that we are wrong. Okay, I'm. I'm going. I would like to end the the, the episode with with a little bit of a glimmer of hope, which I don't. Yeah. Truly, honestly, really have that much of, <laughs> but I would like to believe that this could end up a lot better than we think it can. That they can come up with something that will be so, oh, thank God for this, that we will be able to forgive and forget uh, to some degree what's happened. I, you know, I don't hold a candle to it, it's more like a match that I'm prepared to, to hold. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would like to believe that there is a way out of this because it's 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 just so so unnecessary. We don't need this shit now. We really don't. Yeah. So, anyway, um, people, tell us what you think, please. Uh, I'd love to hear your your opinions on this matter. Uh, but above all, before we go, before you go, uh, humans, please don't be abusive toward employees of either Watsi or any affiliated company. Do not fall into that rabbit hole because it's not the way to do it. It's, it's not gonna work. It's only going to create more cannon fodder. And we may think we know, we suspect what those people may think, but we could be very wrong and they could be completely, you know, hand-tied and not knowing how the hell they're going to get out of this either. So don't, don't be that abusive be toward those people. That being said, somebody posted Wizard of the Coast office's official phone number, like their non-listed phone number, yeah. and have said, call them up, because if you do call them up, a voice does actually answer. Uh, they're saying, be civil, but call them up and let them know that you don't approve. So I don't know how many times their phone call has, their phone has been going off the hook. This is going to be like the Mass Effect re-ending all over again where the entire community just goes to war against a single company. Yeah, and you know, this is the only thing that this new uh, agreement is actually doing is doing exactly the opposite that any other edition of D&D has done in the past. This is this one is actually uniting people rather yeah. than, you know, creating a chasm. Unfortunately, it's uniting people against D&D. Um, and that... <laughs> I don't think that's a battle that's going to end well for anyone uh, in the short run. In the long run, I think it will. I think this is going to create a new slew of games and, and companies that are going to be able to create something amazing. I really honestly believe that people, you don't need D&D. &D. Uh, you can create something under all their agreements and that for all the games that hopefully will give you enough of a livelihood. Um, but I don't think this is going. This is going to be very painful. I think this is going to be very, very painful, at least over the next couple of years. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Anyway, please let us know what you think. We truly love to hear what you have to say. Um, get in touch in Twitter. I'm still there at GMS Magazine. Uh, say hello in Facebook. I am also at GMS Magazine. Email me podcast at gmsmagazine.com. Uh, TikTok. I'm Leviathan. I'm there. Uh, I'm really proud to hear from you. And uh, Chris, who are you? Um, 
I am Chris Diaz from DSX Macanow. You'll find me on, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, even on Twitch, technically. I, I, I don't really post there. Uh, and on TikTok. And I swear to God that the, the um, small, little, cute little animals will stop being posted. And I'm going to be posting some gaming-related stuff uh, probably starting this week. Good. So, humans, I need to go and start editing this video now. Goodbye.